Oh, very good morning to each and every one of you. Thank you for joining us here at our 8.30 a.m. service. My name is John. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at SIBKL. I pastor the youth and worship ministries, and it's a great privilege and joy to bring to you the Word of God this morning. Now, if you're new to us here or you're somewhat new to us, uh, just a little bit of background, what we've been doing this year. This year, our theme is Together We Follow Jesus, Jesus right? You can't go any wrong from that. But, uh, you know, it is a year-long emphasis, but really a lifelong process of discipleship, where we want to uh, continue to follow Him and explore what it actually means to be a Christ follower and not just a church goer. So we have chosen the book of Matthew, who, you know, some scholars say is the manual for discipleship. And this morning we have hit Matthew chapter 10. So the title of my sermon this morning is What to Know as you go. And we're going to read a big portion of Scripture, Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 to 33. Uh, is it okay to read the Bible in church? Uh, is that okay? 33 verses. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want to welcome you to turn to it. Otherwise, it will be on the screen and I'll be reading from the NIV version. And if you could, join with me as we read the Word of God. Now, Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 to 33 says this. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sicknesses. There are, these are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any towns of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person. Stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. If anyone who will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Verse 16. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Be on your guard, you will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and the father to his child. Children will rebel against your parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Verse 24, the student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is not enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household. Do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will be disclosed, that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight, what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head 
are all numbered. So don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, give yourselves a big hand. You have just read 33 verses of Scripture. Now, if you are the note-taking type, uh, and incidentally, it is statistically proven if you take notes, your chances of getting to heaven is higher, okay? So if you are the note-taking type, this morning, I want to speak to you from three points, all right? Three points, 33 verses, but three points. I've summarized them this way. As a disciple, we all have a purpose. With that purpose comes along three types of persecution, but with those three types of persecution, God gives us five promises that we can hold on to. So my first point is this, the purpose of a disciple. The purpose of a disciple is not just to gather, but to scatter as well. You know, Jesus, he called the 12 disciples to him. There were 12 of them representing the 12 tribes of Israel. He called himself to, he called them to himself, but he didn't just call him, him, them to himself to form a nice club, a nice society, or a nice gathering, or a place to go to on a Sunday. He gathered them, he equipped them, but he also told them, now there is a purpose for you, and that is you have to be sent out. You have to go out. You know, in our evangelism and in our discipleship, we have two models, the come and see model and the go and make model. You know, in John chapter one, when Nathaniel was told of Jesus coming out of Nazareth, he had this, he exclaimed this, right? John 1, 46, Nazareth, can anything good come out of it? And he was told, come and see for yourself. So sometimes people will say that, church, is there anything good in church? Why should I go to church? And we say, come and see. But there is also another command that is to go and make. Not just come and see, but to go and make. So in this scripture, Jesus sent the disciples to Israel. Uh, to only the lordship of Israel, he told them this. Now there's a lot of theological implications and all that, but the only application I will highlight is this. Jesus sent them out to their own. And similarly, we are sent out to our own. All of us here, we have a sphere, what I call a sphere of influence. Because if you think about it, honestly speaking, um, you only spend maybe at most 10% of your time or 20% of your time in church. True? Right? You, maybe if you're super committed, you will come on a Saturday and a Sunday, you'll be serving in different ministries or you know, at most one uh, weeknight a week. But for the rest of the time, the reality is we spend it in our workplace, in our schools, in, and in our homes. And we have a sphere of influence or an opportunity for outreach during those times. Now, it's not good or not appropriate for us to think this way. Oh God, just because I come to church on the weekend and I go to cell on one weeknight, the rest of my time belongs to me. I give you that time and for the rest of you know, my time, live, I, I, I'm allowed to live the way I want to live. You know, if I say, if I put it this way, we go, yeah, that's not right. But the truth of the matter is that's how many Christians live their life. They think that I can come to church, I just check off a checklist, and whether, you know, how I behave in school, how I behave at home, or how I behave in my workplace is completely my own prerogative. My friends, I want to remind you, gently remind you this morning, He is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. He is our Lord. And just as He sent the disciples to Israel, because the disciples were themselves Jews, they would know what it would be needed or how to contextualize you know, this message to the Jews themselves. So, so are we. You know, we have our unique sphere of influence. I call that unique. You know, it's almost as if like, um, you know, some, some people will come to me and they'll say, oh, you know, uh, 
pastor, you know, you're so noble, you give yourself, you know, you give yourself full time to serve God and all that kind of stuff and all that. Uh, and sometimes I'm very tempted to reply and go, actually, my friend, I've got it easy. Because my job is to, you know, equip the saints for the work of the ministry, not do the ministry itself. So in a sense, my responsibility is to the church, but the disciples, all of us here, all of you here, your responsibility is to the world. It's gone awfully quiet in this brethren church this morning. I must have struck a nerve somewhere. We will be accountable for how we spend our time in school. We will be accountable how we spend our time in work, how we, how we live our Monday to Fridays and not just our Saturday and Sundays. God is not suddenly blind on Monday or Friday and then you go, oh, you're here on Saturday, awesome, good to see you. No, God is watching and do we have that conviction that what we have is really the best thing in the world? Do you know what we have is absolutely guaranteed the best thing in the world? That is the gospel. And if we ever get into a space where we say the life and death and resurrection of Jesus is boring, like we have moved on from it so that we want to learn greater truths. My friends, we have not moved on to greater truths. We have fallen from the greatest height because that is the pinnacle of the good news. That is the penultimate, the ultimate, ultimate of everything that God wants to do and that God represents. So if we are not passionate, if we are not convicted of this message, it's time to ask ourselves what has got us straight away from our first love, our first revelation. Because we want to share good news, isn't it? If you find something good, you want to share it, right? If you find a good boba place, guess what? You're going to share it. Those of, no, there's no laughter here, so obviously nobody knows what boba is, right? Bubble tea. That's what your children are spending all their money on and that's why they cannot buy a house, okay? Right? <laughs> Bubble tea, right? You know, you know, when you find a good place, you find a good restaurant, that's what you, you, you're passionate about it. You want to share it with your friends and with your family. All the more, this good news. Because you see, Jesus, He gave the disciples authority to heal sicknesses, you know, to cast out demons and all these different things, but he did not give them one very important thing to do. Who knows the answer? If you know, I'll give you one ringgit. <laughs> Bubble tea, sorry, Pastor Lichu, no one ringgit for you. He did not give them the authority to forgive sins. So I believe in prayer for healing. I believe in casting out demons. I believe in blessing and praying for people. But I'm also, I also believe that God is very concerned about the eternity of the people around you, of you and I. So at the end of the day, all these things are good, but we have to preach the gospel. We have to continuously turn people back to Jesus and not just the works of Jesus, but Jesus himself. Because I want to remind you Jesus did all kinds of miracles and he still got him crucified. So that's not the key. The key is to get people to have a revelation. And we have to give them an opportunity to receive that revelation. Because the reality is this, most people would not be able to step into a place like this or any place of worship anywhere. You will be the only Bible or gospel or good news that some people would ever have a chance to encounter. Would we partner with God for this kind of purpose? Because the point is this, you see, if our Christian life is all about getting to heaven, wouldn't it be so much easier that the moment we receive the Lord as our Savior and Lord, that we just die on the spot? You know what I mean? It's like, who wants to receive Jesus today? Okay, I will. Come here. Thank you, sir. We'll pray for you. And he just falls apart. Oh, praise God, he went to heaven already. Right? No, most of us, all of us, in fact, this morning, we are still sitting here. So that means our time is not up. God is not done with you. It means that you are not done with this life. You still have a purpose to live out. Would we live out 
this purpose for Jesus? Would we live out this purpose for his kingdom? And you know, in the, in the, this scripture is traditionally used by many preachers to speak about missions, to encourage people to go on missions, or because there's a portion there that says don't take gold, silver, or copper, or you know, put it in your bag with you and just go to one home to another and all that. But I would say this, all of us are a missionary. You don't need to go to some backwater country or some interior, even though if God has called you to do that, praise God, awesome, we do need that kind of work. But all of us, we have a mission field right in front of us. Whether it's our home, our children, whether it's our colleagues, our boss, our business partners, our school, you know, that is our mission field. And Jesus says, don't take all these things with you because it's simply this. God does not call the qualified, He qualifies the call. God does not, you know, call the equip, He equips the call. What God ordains, He will sustain. And where God guides, He will provide. All we need to do is we need to be willing to go and not have all this kind of reasons of why I can't do it. I don't have enough money. I'm not clever enough. You know, I don't have, in, I don't have a theological degree. You know, not so did the disciples. The disciples did not have, did not go to Bible school. But Jesus told them, go anyway. Right? And Matthew chapter 28, this is the last command of Jesus. Therefore, it should be our first priority. Now, most of your Bibles will say the heading, Great Commission, but we Christians, we read this as the great suggestion, right? 28 verse 18 to 20 says this, I have been given, Jesus speaks, all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus says, go and make disciples, not go and collect them. If we go out, you know, I, like, um, you know, when I pastor the youth ministry, so sometimes some of the young people, they will come to me and they will say, oh, you know, uh, it's so discouraging. I'm the only Christian in school. And I'll tell them, praise God. Go and make disciples. Why are you looking for a bunch of Christians? And some, you know, a couple of, people, couple of weeks ago, uh, I was praying for someone at the altar. And, you know, and she said this to me. She said, oh, pastor, pray for me. Um, I'm, pray for me. I, you know, like I'm the only Christian in my workplace. And it's so bad there. And because, look, okay, I'm a big softie, all right? I should have rebuked her and go, praise God, right? But she was a girl, she was crying, so I was like, oh, you poor thing, okay, let me pray for you. But inside, I was thinking, well, praise God. Maybe God put you there for a reason. If you're here, I'm sorry, all right? <laughs> I should have been honest with you. But praise God. Maybe God has put you there for a reason. Maybe God has sent you there to be the light in the darkness. Why are you waiting for some big-time evangelist or some Angmor speaker when God has even anointed you to do the good works and to preach the good news? No offense to Angmors in this place. But we have been empowered by God. God has given us the authority. We don't need to wait on someone else. We are the answer to the world's problems. You don't have to wait for a move of God. You are the move of God. The question is whether you will move and you will partner with His purposes. And you know, Jesus also made this interesting uh, statement. He said this, to be as shrewd as snakes, but innocent as doves. Now, when we think about snakes, uh, any of you like snakes? It's like you, you, you're, you're, that's your favorite animal. We'll pray for you after the service. Special one right there, okay? Special auto call. But normally when we think of a snake, we don't really have a positive impression of a snake, right? We, uh, and also because in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent, you know, the devil who came to tempt Adam and Eve, he came in the form of a snake, right? So when Jesus was using the illustration of a snake, shrewdness of a snake, he coupled it with innocence of a dove. So it's not one or the other, it's both. But here's the thing, Jesus talks about being shrewd as snakes to advance the kingdom of God, not to advance your own agenda. Because if we think about it, you know, really, 
People are sneaky people. Do you realize that? Do you realize how, how people are super sneaky? How you and I are so sneaky, right? It's like, if you want to, how many of you, your friends do insurance? They're sneaky, aren't they? Yeah? Again, no, you know, God bless insurance. We do need insurance. I buy insurance from church members. Don't judge me, all right? So I, I, I'm doing my part, right? But have you seen an insurance agent? Like they are super sneaky, right? They'll call you and they go, hey, John, long time no catch up. You know, like uh, you want to come hang out with me and all that. And I thought, wow, so nice. I've not heard from this person for years, right? I, I, I would love to come and hang out with you. And then you go there and you're having a good conversation, you have a good time, and then suddenly the file comes out and you go, oh, okay. Yeah, because don't get me started on multi-level marketing people. Oh, you know who you are, right? Insurance agent, I can still tolerate, right? Because I do need insurance. But, you know, so Jesus talks about being as shrewd as snakes because he himself knew how to maneuver around. He was often challenged, wasn't he? He was asked, right? Should we pay taxes? He was asked that. Then they brought a woman caught in adultery to him and said, this woman was caught in adultery. Should we stone her? But you see, he all had, he had appropriate answers for those situations. Paul himself, if you read the book of Acts, he often used his status as a Roman citizen to get out of trouble from the authorities while he was still preaching the gospel. So the key is this, all of us have a form of sneakiness. What are we using it for? To advance our own agenda or his kingdom, innocent as doves. Peter says this, the scripture from 1 Peter says this, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. We have to keep a, we have to keep a clean conscience, my friends. So let's only be interested. No, do what you need to do. Earn the money you need to earn. Get the grades that you need to get. But let's also be interested in advancing the kingdom of God. Now with this purpose comes persecution. And there is no hiding from it. And Jesus did not mince his words or try to sell us a product by telling us a half-truth. No, he puts it very simply as this. You will be persecuted. But I like this quote. It says this, persecution is the compliment paid by a threatened lie to a conquering truth. Persecution is a compliment paid by a threatened lie to a conquering truth. And this scripture, Jesus tells us we will receive three types of persecution. The first one is this persecution from authorities. You can see it from that scripture there. And make no mistake about it, my friends, spreading the gospel is dangerous business. It is not for the faint of heart. Going to church and playing golf is the same thing, very low risk. But spreading the gospel, being interested in advancing the kingdom of God is dangerous business. You won't just get into trouble with the government, you will get into trouble with all kinds of authorities. You know, so in the youth ministry, you know, we're privileged to have a bunch of great, a bunch of great youth coming out of there. And you know, some of them, uh, you know, when they were still in high school, they've actually had a heart to start a Christian fellowship, to start an outreach. But the school categorically tells them this, you are not allowed to start a Christian fellowship in the school. So they go, okay. You know where they start the CF? Right next to the school. So they're not in the school, but they're within the vicinity of the school. Shoot as snakes, innocent as doves. But they, you know, got into trouble. They were persecuted for it. You know, some people even want to organize like prayer walks around the school and all that. And I say, great. They do that. So three or four of them will go around the school. They will be praying in tongues. And when people ask them, what are you doing? They go, we're just having a morning stroll. Is that illegal? Is that wrong? So you see, they face persecution, but that did not stop them from advancing the kingdom of God. My friends, will we have that kind of tenacity? Most of us will never face that kind of persecution. And most we will get rejected by our friends or our 
colleagues, but would we have that, even just 10% of that kind of conviction to spread the gospel and the kingdom of God? You will get into trouble. You will get into trouble, but will you be convicted enough to stay the course? The second persecution is this persecution from family. The reality is the Christian faith. You know, when I became a Christian, I also got persecuted by my extended family because to them, Christianity is a religion of the West. Only white people are Christians, right? Chinese must be Buddhist. That's my family's paradigm. That's their thinking. And a couple of weeks ago, you know, a friend of mine, um, he rang me up. Um, he's a believer, he rang me up. So he told me, hey, um, my grandfather passed away. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And he told me this, oh, my, my grandfather is actually a Taoist. Um, and we're going to be doing all this, you know, funeral uh, rites the Taoist way. So there's going to be a lot of um, incense. There's going to be a lot of, um, you know, different procedures. Most of you would know, right, if you, how a Taoist uh, funeral will go about. And he said this to me, he said, you know, what should I do? And I want to be honest, you know, as a friend, you obviously don't want to give advice that will get people into trouble, right? We, we, we want to give them advice, oh, it's going to be okay, it's all right, don't worry about it, just go along with it, just pretend, you know, that kind of thing. But something prompted me to ask him, what is the Holy Spirit telling you? So I asked him that. And he said, well, in all honesty, the Holy Spirit is telling me not to uh, take part in it and to make a stand. And... I was like, well, if that's what the Holy Spirit is telling you, then you should do it. And he's like, but it's going to be so difficult. And I told him, well, it wasn't easy when Jesus went to the cross. It wasn't convenient. Making a stand for Jesus is not convenient, just like how it wasn't convenient for him when for Jesus when he went to die on the cross. So I told him this. I said, look, if that's what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do, maybe you should stand firm. And he did. Now, I would like to tell you there's a happy ending to this, that he went there and, you know, he stood firm and everybody saw his conviction. They were so convicted. They were slain by the Holy Spirit, you know, and they were okay, we we'll all become Christians, but none of those things happened. What did he, what he got? Yes, he got snide remarks. He got told off for being disrespectful and all that. But at the end of it, I asked him, did you think it was the right thing to do? He said, yes. My friends, when we follow Jesus, our allegiance is not to a political party, not to a, even a country for that matter, or not even to our family members, it is to God. Now, I'm not saying dishonor your family, but I'm saying if you have to choose your family or Jesus, would you choose Jesus? Would you make a stand for Him? Jesus Himself promised one day, not all of us will face this, but some of us will. One day, we will have to make a choice. But the good news is this. The Lord promises in Mark, I believe, chapter 10, verses 29 and 31. I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. Many who are greatest now will be the least important then, and those who seem least important will also be the greatest then. What you lose, in, what you lose on earth, you will gain back in the kingdom. What you lose now, God will pay back more, but all the more, we have to stay committed and convicted to the cause and to the message of Jesus. And the last form of persecution, well, this is where it doesn't get any better. We are going to be persecuted from society, by society. Matthew 22, 10 to 22 says this, you will be hated by everyone because of me. Hey, let's get something straight, okay? Make sure they hate you because you are anointed and not because you are annoying. Make sure, all right? Make sure it's because you carry 
an anointing on you and not because you are annoying. A couple of years ago, we had this one kid come through the youth group and you know, he was telling me, oh, pastor, you know, I get bullied and all the kind of school. And I'm like, you know, I'm a good pastor. So I go, oh, you poor thing. All right. And then I found out, you know, a couple of other kids came from uh, the same school. So I gathered them and I said, hey, you know, this guy here, he goes to your school and hey, he's, he's getting bullied. Can you watch out for him? Can you help him? And all that. And they were all like, okay, yeah, sure. But they were like, their eyes were shifty and they were looking at the floor. So I was like, okay, what's going on? Tell, what's happening? Tell me something, right? There's something that you're not telling me. And they were like this, uh, okay, so here's the thing, Pastor. He goes around telling people they are going to hell and they're all fornicators and adulterers and all that. So I'm like, oh man. Okay, so I went to have a chat with this guy and I'm like, hey, you know, you should uh, kind of like stop doing this. Why do you build relationship with people? And he's like, but pastor, I'm preaching the gospel. Hey, God has given you a brain, use it, right? God has all given us a mind, use it. The kingdom of God is spread through relationship, right? It's no use shoving truth down people's throat because get this, right? News flash. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's what Jesus did. He didn't stand on a, you know, he didn't stand on the streets telling people they were all condemned and going to hell. He walked around, he healed people, he ministered to people. So that's what it is. If you are getting persecuted, make sure it's not because you yourself are a poor person. If you want to spread the good news, make sure you are not bad news. You know what I mean? Some people are really good at being bad news, right? They're just negative. They're carrying all kinds of complaints. They're always complaining about something. Guess what? Nobody would like to be around that sort of person. And in the same way, if you, know, if you say, oh, I'm getting persecuted because I want to go to cell, I want to serve in worship team, I want to do all these kind of things, but the tr truth is you always... Add you turn up late at work, you don't finish your work, you know, you don't hit your targets, you know, you are slacking, you're disrespectful and all that. If you're getting persecuted, don't drag the good Lord into, you, into your situation because you are a poor example, right? Just need to put out there that if we want to spread the good news, we ourselves have to be good news. Light in the darkness, salt and light. John 15 verse 18 19 says this, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world will love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I choose you to come out of the world so it hates you. The reality is this, that when you stand for Jesus, you are going against culture. You are in the world, but you are not of it. You are going against what is normal. Just because something is normal and just because something is common doesn't mean it is right. Amen? Let me put it this way. Just because many men who have successful careers and have lots of money all of a sudden, they go out and they have mistresses and second women on the side doesn't mean it is okay. Amen? So it's awfully quiet right here. Just because people are doing it does not mean it is right. Just because people are believing something does not mean it is right. Truth is truth no matter how you feel about it. If you go, I'm offended by that statement, it's kind of like saying this, I'm offended by the concept of gravity. I'm just offended. Like gravity makes me angry. Who does gravity think he is dragging me down all the time, right? Pulling me down, restraining me. You know what? I decided I don't believe in gravity. Well, go walk off the, the third floor and see what happens to you after that, right? Truth is truth no matter how you feel about it. Jesus is Lord. He is alive. He is the bearer of good news. And if you believe in him, you will bring about persecution. You will face it. Francis Chan puts it this way, something is wrong when our lives as Christians make sense to unbelievers. If an unbeliever can look at your life and look at the way you run your business, look at the way you run your family, look at the way you run your finances, and they go, oh, okay, I get why you do that, there's something is amiss. But having said that, three persecutions God gives five promises. So the world may 
overwhelmed with its problems, but God will allow us to overcome with His Word and its promises. And in this scripture, we have five promises that God gives us. The first one is this, the promise of direction. Jesus says, I will tell you what to say. And I believe everyone has the ability to hear from God. Some of us are more sensitive than others, but all of us have the ability to hear from God. God speaks to you and I through His Word, but also through daily life. We can hear from Him, and just as long as it doesn't contradict the Word of God, we know it's Him. And more importantly, we hear from God when we do His will. So if you want to hear from God, very simply, just do His will. You know, it reminds me of, a, of an incident a few years ago um, when I was a student. I was living, you know, in this uh, rented place and um, one day this uh, pesky person known as a Jehovah's Witness came knocking on my door. You all know what a Jehovah's Witness is, right? I don't know where they are nowadays, right? Any, where, where you guys are? Like, if you don't see them anymore, we see more the Mother God people. Now, you know the Mother God people? Okay, you don't, you don't know them. Ask your, ask your kids. They like to approach people in universities and all that. So, I had, a J, I had a JW, Joe's Witness, come to my place. So he, was, he came, two of them, right? They came and they knocked on my door. And so I was at home and I went out to the window. You know how you draw your curtain just to look a little bit? But then when you draw your curtain, look a little bit, they see you and you see them and you go, oh man, I can't pretend I'm not at home now, right? They see you, so okay. I opened up the door and I was like, and at that time I was in Bible college, so I had finished two years of Bible college, so I thought to myself, man, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to theologically spar with this person, all right? Come on, all right? I've got distinction, high distinction on my exams. So I know what I'm doing. Come on, let's argue this down, baby, all right? So I'm ready. I, you know, you know, talk, talk to them. I was ready, right? full attack mode. So we, argue, we went back and forth for a long time, you know, uh, the concept of the Trinity, you know, the inerrancy of the Bible, blah, 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 blah. It was really going nowhere. And then I was at a point, I was like, okay, how do I get out of this situation? Now, I could have just gone, okay, um, thank you, right? I will think about it, God, you know, thank you. I just got them to leave, right? But I'm sorry, I'm an egoistical male. I could not lose that argument, right? So I was like, no, I'm not going to back down, right? I've come this far. So I was like, Jesus, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. And then all of a sudden, I was prompted to ask him this question. Just ask him this question. So I asked him this question. Have you always been in the JW church? And he said, No. And then I was like, you used to come from a Baptist church, right? What happened in that church? And his jaw dropped, and so did mine. <laughs> I was like, okay, I don't know where that came from. And his jaw dropped, and I was like, so you were abused or you were hurt in that church, but you did not want to give up your faith. That's why you're doing this right now. And then at this time, the other guy was like, okay, let's go, let's go, right? <laughs> let's get away from this guy, you know? And, 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 and I'm like, what happened there? Can you, do you want to talk about it? Obviously, he said no, right? And they left. But I knew something struck, in, something struck in him. And that was not because John was a brilliant guy or a guy who was prophetic. No, because I tapped on the Word of God or I tapped on the Spirit of God. And I, I, I want to be humble and open before, you know, before all of you. One of the things I hate doing is telling people what I do. I hate it. It's like, you know, when people go, oh, so what do you do for work? You go, uh, pastor. You know, and they're like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, pastor. Uh, pastor? Right? What's that? You know, like, and because it, it now, especially on the plane, right? Because when I'm on, in the plane, look, I'm, I just don't want to talk to anyone. You know, I want to be there by myself. I'm not one of those that like, super evangelists. They get on the plane and then they go, you know, they, they start talking and then boom, they get saved. They save this person on the seat. Then they go, they save the people on the other seat. I'm not that guy, right? So I don't like it because that is like, now I have to engage people. But I want to tell you, there are so many stories I can tell you about, but a lot of times I've been caught in situations where I don't know what to say or I don't have the answer, whether it's a personal answer or a theological one, but I'll say Jesus help and Jesus guides me to say what I need to say to people. And that is not just for the pastor or the spiritual elite, it's for anyone who wants to stand up for God. The second thing is this promise of salvation. 
Jesus says this, that if you stand firm till the end, you will be saved. If you endure to the end, not if you enjoy to the end. If you endure. The Christian life is one of endurance. I put it this way, right? So someone once asked me or so, Pastor, how do I reconcile this theology of works but also being saved by grace through faith? Like, you know, how do I, how do I reconcile this? And I was kind of like stuck. I didn't really know how to explain It's like I got it. I understood it, but I didn't know how to explain it. And at that moment, I was just like, Jesus, help me. And, you know, he gave me this illustration, right? Again, promise of direction. He gave me this illustration. It, it's almost like this. Say you were given a job that you are not qualified for. And this job is like triple, quadruple the pay that you, you can imagine getting. It has all kinds of great perks. It has all kinds of benefits. And this job has been given to you now. You have two options. One is you can go, well, I've made it in life and you just sit on that job, but you don't realize one day the boss is going to come back and ask you, what have you done with this job? So you enjoy all the benefits. You enjoy all the benefits of the kingdom. You enjoy all the provision of God, but one day God's going to come back and ask you, what have you done with it? That's one option. The second option is this, that you realize, wow, I don't deserve this position, but I have the privilege now to partner with God and his purposes. Therefore, I'm going to do my best in this job, knowing that I can go to my boss anytime I need help or I need assurance, and he will give it to me willingly. And that's the same for our Christian life. God is not done with you, remember I said, because you are still sitting here, you are still living, you are still breathing. God is not an ATM machine, nor is he a genie, right, that we just rub the right way or say certain prayers the right way and we get what we want. No, God is the master of the universe. He's all powerful, but all personal. He cares about you, but he also has concern for the world around you. Would you have your father's heart as well? Would you care? And at the end of the day, we will get salvation. And along with salvation, we will also have the promise of vindication, right? Because Jesus says this, don't be afraid of those who persecute you. For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Let me put it this way very simply. In the end, everything will be proven right at the end of the day. Because this life will come to an end, whether you think that, you know, you, uh, you have a long life, whether you think that you can YOLO it. There's some people used to use YOLO, right? You know, you only live once. You, you still can kind of live life your own way. Hey, the reality is, reality check, one day all our lives will come to an end. The question is, is what is at the end? C.S. Lewis puts it this way, Christianity a false is of no importance, but if true, of utmost importance. The only thing it cannot be is of moderate importance. I'm not so chim. I'll put it this way. At the end of the day, if I am wrong, I lose nothing. Honestly, if at the end of the day we all die and there's no God at the end of it, no eternity at the end of it, what do you really lose? You will have lived a life of integrity. You would have lived a life close to your family. You will have lived good memories and impression of you behind or the people who are still around. That's what you get. But if I am right, you lose everything. If there is judgment at the end of the day and you will be judged, you lose absolutely everything. The key is this, would you now want to gamble your life on that? That's a good strategy to um, evangelize, isn't it? But make sure you have relationship with them. Otherwise, you'll be like that kid coming to me, saying, I'm getting bullied at work. But that's the thing. If I am wrong, I lose nothing. But if I am right, man, you lose everything. So at the end of the day, you may be facing persecution and all that. Don't look at... Don't look at what they are doing. Be concerned about their eternity. Their eternity is worth more than your own personal ego. Would you 
live for Christ. Two more promises and I'll close, all right? The, second, the fourth one is this, the promise of valuation. Because Jesus says this, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. In the temporary, in the temporal on earth, we like to think of things as net worth, right? We measure our own net worth, how much we have in our bank in cash, how much investments we have, how much property we have, how much net worth we have. Let me put it this way. At the end of the day, when it comes to eternity, all of us have the same kingdom worth. Because Jesus died for you, whether you are a millionaire or whether you are a, just a common blue or white collar worker, you have value. Because heaven does not value what earth values. You know, just because something is awarded on earth doesn't mean it's applauded in heaven. All of us have value. You are not just a body with a spirit, you are a spirit in a body. And the Bible tells us this, that our spirit is eternal and one day it will return to God to face judgment. So if people persecute you materially or physically, take heart because these things are temporal. Now I know it's hard, I know it's painful, but these things are only temporal. And the last thing is this, the promise of acknowledgement. Because Jesus says this, whoever acknowledges me before my, uh, whoever acknowledges me on earth, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. At the end of the day, that's what I want. For God to say, I know him. You know, in the book of Acts, we are told of a story of a few people who tried casting out demons, you know, in the name of Jesus. And the demon said to them, Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, but who are you? It's, all, it's like this. Have you, how many of you have been to the church office before? Yeah, you've been in, in Bagudan Yin, the church office, right? So if you go into the church office, what will happen is you will get a lot of uh, unfriendly stares from all the staff, right? Because they'll be like, who is this person, right? They'll all be looking at you and all that. And, and as you walk through, you know, all this, you, as you walk through the, the hallway of the, of the office, suddenly Pastor Chu or Pastor Lee Chu comes out. I go, hey, 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 you're here. Come, let's have a meeting. Immediately, all those death stares will become friendly smiles. <laughs> okay, yeah, we know this person, right? So Pastor Chu, Pastor Lee Chu acknowledge you. They go, okay. Now, they're great people, but we honor them. They acknowledge you in the church office. But when you get to heaven, will Jesus say, wow, I know you, come on in. Wow, I know you, come on in. And let's have the band on stage and I'll close with this one, one story. You know, a couple of um, weeks ago, we had this pastor uh, from Sarawak. Um, you know, he's a, he's a simple guy um, from the interiors. He came and he shared with us his story. So basically this guy, what had happened was he had actually died and he, like physically he died and he was brought to um, paradise and heaven and then he was brought to hell. Now I won't go through his story um, and all that, but I want to tell you something that I'm actually someone who is quite skeptical. Like really, like I, I am the, I'm, the, I'm not someone who, is, who just hears something and immediately believes it. I, you know, I'm a bit analytical, I'm a bit, you know, I want to think whether this is really true. So to me, you know, like we see, all, this is not new, right? It's not new because um, on the internet, you know, many people have said they have died and they've gone to heaven and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes you, you kind of wonder, I, all these fellas, they just want to sell books, right? Or how they get all these details is because maybe they cross-reference, you know, each other. It's out there, they can see it, right? Am I the only one who is so carnal? Sorry, forgive me. But... This guy, you know, when he came to KL, he said this, Dini, kali pertama saya naik MRT. Saya tinggal dalam hotel satu bulan. And he was like, this is a new experience from him. So he had no, he's a simple guy. He has no internet. He lives in the jungle. And the funny thing is, the crazy thing is, when we wanted him to share his testimony, he was so reluctant. And when we asked him why, he said that it's because the Lord did not tell me that it's time yet. But we persuaded him and we asked him to share a little bit. And finally, 
he said, okay, I'll share. And guess what? When he said, I'll share, after that, he didn't say, okay, well, now I've done my part. Can you give me a big love gift? So to me, it, told me, it, it tells me that this guy has pure motives. He saw what he saw. And at the end of the day, he said this, that when he got to paradise or he got to heaven, whatever you want to call it, all the details of his life flashed right before him, every single thing. And at that moment, he was afraid because every little, little thing he was And this, if you, uh, even Pastor Chu's own father had that experience where he died and went to heaven. You can ask him about it. And you can look at different people who have gone to heaven. You know, they've experienced the same thing as well. That all of us were to give an account because scripture says that we have to give an account. And when that was happening to this pastor, he was worried, he was afraid. But at that moment, there was a light or there was a presence that was beside him and that gave him assurance and told him, it is okay. That's acknowledgement. Because this guy is walking with God and doing the will of his father. Will we all have that, will we have a long-term view of life and not just a short-term, temporal view of it. Let's all rise in this place. And as we worship, close in worship, there are only two groups of people that I would like to pray for this morning. I've said a lot and I hope it has spoken to you and I hope you will take it seriously and consider it and not just take it as another message from another weekend. But there are two groups of people that I would like to pray for this morning. One is this, that you are in an environment, a work environment or a school environment and you are facing a lot of persecution because of your faith. And at times you feel like, you know, it's getting a little bit too much, but you know you should not back down just yet. I want to pray for you in a moment. I'm going to ask you to come to the front and one of our pastors or leaders will pray for you. The second group of people is this, that you are facing persecution from your family because of your faith. Whether it comes in the form of your brothers or sisters or your parents or even your children. Some of us, our children persecute us, right? They like to remind us, ah, you go to church, you're still like that, Right? They can be quite unkind, but you are facing that kind of persecution. This morning, will you allow us to encourage you by praying for you? And I just feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me to do this. The third category of people is this, is that you now, after hearing all of this, after hearing the Word of God this morning, you now have a renewed clarity of what your life is about. You want to make your days in the workplace, in your career, intentional and fruitful. Not just to earn money, or to take home a paycheck, but to bring the loss back to God. If that's what you want to do, we want to pray for you as well, to encourage you, to empower you, to anoint you by the Holy Spirit, that God will move through you and you will do mighty works for Him. As we sing the first verse, for the rest of us, if you are not in a hurry, let's worship Him. And if you would like to respond, any of those three categories, could you come to the front and the pastors and leaders will pray for you. Let's worship Him. Come on.